You're listening to Kevin and the Spleen. No one's gonna ever love me. 1098.5 Radio QWX. Real quick. Bussin' no cap. No, 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 no cap. Really smack you in the ass with flavor. There you go. This show is about depression, anxiety, PTSD, and chronic illness. We going quick. Quick, 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 quick. We're trying to keep you on the path to the ride home on the evening time. It's a fucking zoo. <laughs> Make it quick. Get the Quicks Radio. White lives do not matter. Hey, everybody, how's it going? It is the Spleen, and I'm sitting here with Kevin, and I've been going through a real tough time on the drive home to the road to your evening time, baby. That's right. What, what, what's Kevin. your tough time, Mr. Spleen? You're gonna, you're gonna, you might have to take the wheel on this one. I, I don't think I've she ever seen you the this goddamn sad. kids. She oh. took the goddamn kids, Kevin. Oh, I'm so yeah. sorry. Another of the world to you. Yeah, if that wasn't as bad, you know, she uh, she limited my rate. I've been exceeding my rate limit lately, and it is not keeping up. We're going to dive into that, aren't we, Kevin? That's what we're going to do today. Let's get back to the energy. Let's talk about rates and limits with our on-the-ground correspondent coming to us live from the internet. Internet expert Nolan Fabricus is with us today. Hi, thanks for having me. Is that, that that's probably how you want it to be introduced? Isn't that correct? <laughs> yeah, you're one of 10 people on earth who could say that last name correctly. I uh, agonized it last night. Uh, I was pretty sure you told me how to pronounce it earlier in life, but you know, you got to question it with a name like that. Okay. Jesus Christ. Um, what's up? What's up, Kevin? What's up, Nolan? How how are you doing? What? How would you? If you were hosting a podcast and you were introducing yourself, Nolan, how would you introduce yourself? Oh, it's a mess. Professionally, I'm all over the place. I'm a, like an animation generalist, and uh, and this is your introduction. This is how you would say it. Yeah, I was okay. Okay, Catholic. let's just go real self-deprecating. Let's try to not make it sound cooler than it is. I've, okay. I've, I've worked low-level jobs and everything I love: video games and alt comedy, and uh, met you doing venue work uh, at Meltdown when Harmontown was young. Uh, I've done a lot of small stakes, cool stuff. Small not- stakes. Now th- that sounds delicious. Hey, <laughs> a- oh, okay. So you're you 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 worked in games. I mean, I I know you as an artist. You know, you're 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 an artist. You're you're a classic artist. I don't know how much art you've done, but I just I think of you as an artist. Uh, but yeah, you you've worked in uh, the venues and the comedy scene and stuff. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, listeners, but James Austin Johnson is a true treasure that America has discovered, and I. The thing with talent is talent will will can potentially find its way, and I don't know how much I want to put you know Nolan's uh, brand on that, but 
I remember a conversation with Nolan where Nolan's like, e you got to come on this podcast, man. I got to, this is guy, like, the funniest guy on the fucking planet. And I'm like, okay. He's like, no, you don't understand. Like he does these crazy impressions. It's like incredible stuff. It's like groundbreaking stuff. And I'm like, yeah, all right, Nolan. And then, <laughs> and then he goes on SNL and he's like a fucking whirlwind sensation. You know, he's like a huge, uh, there's new cast members all the time, you know, but I think he made a huge fucking splash. And then I was like, wait a second, Nolan, Nolan wasn't blowing smoke out of his ass. So, so I don't know, like you, you have an eye for talent. You're a creator of, of powerful works, you know? Um, yeah, I'm, you're, you're I'm very real, adaptable. I'm a real Go ahead. maker. There was a, uh, uh, <laughs> I worked at Meltdown, which did Harmontown, and then I worked for Harmontown directly when Meltdown became an unviable job. And then uh, from Harmontown to Starburns and from Starburns to the Breadlines, and then uh, to now I work on Bob's Burgers. But in that time, um, there was just a very funny bar show in my neighborhood called Rod Stewart Live. I didn't have a comedy venue to hang out in. Um and uh yeah i mean all three of the guys who hosted rod stewart live were very funny the host um of what things are what things was zach Pugh, and james austin johnson is the he was the ken jennings of the fake game show that was what <laughs> things are what things uh which still has an instagram page and i found out libson is still billing me so that podcast should still be up oh boy you gotta um, get that switched to a cast or something i don't know uh but yeah, yeah i mean he's a buddy he 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 came out of the womb like a, as a fully formed performer he's it was it was kind of shocking to be in a room how with do you him know and, that and realize that the world hasn't found this guy yet like yeah uh, that that was the tone of how you talked about him you were like blown away you're like jesus christ someone has to buy stock in this guy it's gonna they're gonna be rich you know he was how do you put it like he he grew up in nashville and his family was like a a christian they like founded like a christian college so he was as a like a youth he was in like all these christian production companies he was like on camera a lot and learning showbiz basics as like a little kid so when he got to la he kind of yeah. knew how the game was played and the rest of us i mean to me to this day i'm still on skates i'll never i'll never really swim with the current uh working in showbiz but he <laughs> always got it and what was cool about him was like my generation of comedy people all kind of flocked to UCB and they're like, UCB is sure. where you make the alt comedy movie star things. And he just skipped all, he just skipped that whole stage. He, he was just doing his own live show as a fully formed front of camera force of nature. Yeah. I mean, it strikes me that Christianity is very performative, you know, like <laughs> right. even if you believe you're not always feeling it and you're like, I gotta, I gotta be feeling it right now, you know? So that that's interesting. Uh, he was born in Nashville. Uh, you know, what else is interesting? Where were you born? Northwest Kansas. I'm from a little town called mm -hmm. Bogue, and Kansas, which if you <laughs> Google it, you'll see three square blocks. <laughs> it's a, mm. It barely made the incorporation threshold. My dad was mayor of it when we lived there. Whoa. Damn. Yeah. So you're a Nepo baby, right? <laughs> yes. Dust Bowl Nepo baby. <laughs> so, okay. So when did you move out to California or did you move around before landing in California? Yeah, I graduated college in Ot 9. I wanted to make video games, so I moved to San Francisco and I wound up living in a town called Vacaville, which is way far out of San Francisco because... The Bay yeah. Area is cursed and human beings can't, you can't just decide to live there. You can't go from Midwest money to 
Bay Area money. I had no idea. So I yeah, why it. would someone want to live somewhere? You know, it's like that's not reasonable. It was a really uh, rude welcome to the working economy. <laughs> so I had to move right back to Kansas after ten months. Oh, and then I was a freelance mm-hmm. illustrator animator from Kansas for three years before I got a job that picked me up and moved me to LA expressly. Which was, so freelance, what kind of freelance? Oh, go ahead. Oh, it was a lot of after effects, like motion graphics and, um, uh, man, illustrations and animations, like where I could fake it till I make it right. Flash animation was still a thing. And there was a huge gap and skill level of freelance flash animators out there. It was like, completely self-taught so i wasn't a prestige wait you were completely self-taught yeah so what what was your college then what what did you go to college for uh my the town i'm from is so small we did not have a guidance counselor in high school Mm -hmm. so i applied to kansas state and ku i got into kansas state and i had a couple friends there already and i was like good enough I'll find something at Kansas State I want to do. All I got to do is get out of where I'm from. And then I got to Kansas State and found out they didn't teach animation. There was no like 3D modeling software program. I just thought I could find some path towards a media career. And they fought me at every turn. Um, Wow. I majored in sculpture for the longest stretch there. But I finally found they had a secret illustration department head that didn't offer any illustration classes and so i kind of put their feet to the fire and made that this guy give me independent study and i got out of there with a um illustration degree what the fuck i mean that's very impressive on your behalf but that's so strange on their behalf you know look um well i don't want to so- air anyone's dirty laundry but there's a specific set of circumstances why this guy had a professorship but didn't offer any classes Ugh. the reason being health insurance well, I like that. I, I, I'm not going to blame him for that, I guess. Uh, but okay, sculpture major. What? What kind? What were, were you making sculptures? Was there anything you were doing? Any media that you were working in in that in that kind of domain, or was it just kind of what you had to be doing as the major? I. So the reason I was a sculpture major was because the the sculpture department had gotten trouble. I think he had a salacious relationship with a student and then a grad student inherited the department and i was like this is where the party's gonna be the grad student let us all make whatever we wanted to make so uh i made the han solo frozen and carbonite you know that famous yeah i'm acting it out i made that with myself i made like a cast aluminum frozen and carbonite sculpture of like my actual face Mm -hmm. and body like life size so it was just kind of art like you were just kind of like just kind of making your own stuff it wasn't like you were taking ceramics or something it was more just kind of like just no, general i was like i liked working media. with the materials i really liked uh smelting metals and i liked welding and um it was just like the only department where your creativity was steering the boat whereas like the others yeah. are like you're gonna learn fundamentals you're gonna draw naked old men for yeah that's what's so interesting is it sounds like you you did kind of just do what you want whereas i think of that as yeah very fundamental very like we're gonna learn about crayons today and pastels tomorrow or whatever not just like hey you want to make a han solo yeah he's like what do you want to make and if you if you could pitch it with 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 half a heart into into it like he he would he would let you make it because sculpture is a lot of just hands-on 
It's just it's yeah. just learning to not be scared of molten metal. <laughs> and speaking of half a heart, I, I hear you've been playing Zelda recently. <laughs> hey. Hey, uh, isn't that a good transition? Man. Yeah. Oh boy. Yeah. I I uh, I beat it, dude. It's it's uh I think it's the greatest game I've ever played. It's so Yeah. It's really it's uh, unreal uh, what they've what they've shipped on a Nintendo Switch. It it's it's beyond a game. But that's the thing is like it's just like the Nintendo's good at like proving like pushing against the common like myths of the industry, you know. But uh it was like uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I'm a contrarian, whatever. But I, I liked Breath of the Wild when it came out, but like I went back and was replaying it and I was like, Oh, this kind of sucks. And like Tears of the Kingdom just doesn't. And the reason that Breath of the Wild kind of sucks is because it's like, here's this amazing world, go out and explore it in a million different ways. Look, we have Octa Rock balloons we have a korok seed or korok leaf rather you know you can you can chop down a tree and light it on fire and it's like okay i did all that now what do i do and they're like you can make food and i'm like what kind of food and they're like you can make like mushrooms or like apples you know and it's like you can make pizza right but it's like it's all just mushrooms and apples at the end of the day and they're like well what about like can i make kind of special food and they're like sure you can resist lightning, heat you can resist fire it's like, well, what else? And they're like, you can resist ice. <laughs> you know? It's like, that's not what craftable subsystems are about. It's like just creating a series of like resistances, you know, and similarly, the powers they gave you were very, you know, one-to-one, you know, people did use them really creatively, but uh, they were very just like simplistic kind of like ball and socket joint kind of concepts, lock and key, you know, you have this mm -hmm. to solve that, which is very traditional Zelda. But when it's this big open world experience that feels very flat compared comparatively, you know, and in Tears of the Kingdom, like all of those critiques, they were like, yeah, no, let's fill out these ideas, not just like give the baseline first thought what it can be, you know, let's really, we'll give you stuff and you can use the stuff in the fight and you can fly around on the stuff and you can turn the stuff into a robot or also you could just drop the stuff on someone's head, you know, and, and right. Like it's to, to, to for, if you were pitching a game or had to get your game pitch approved by your corporate overlords you'd be like we're gonna make a game that's all things to all people it's like you, you can do everything anything you can see you can grab and make your own and glue it to anything else and it's it wouldn't work as like a pitch like you had to it had to be the sequel to right exactly the the previous best game of all time like like making a game that's all things to all people should be impossible and what they've done is, dude. Yeah, it's awesome. I mean, you know, when I first started, I was spending, I would just spend, like, I would be streaming it. And during the stream, I would just have, like, two-hour chunks where I was just in, like, outside of uh, Terrytown, just, like, fucking with different vehicles and stuff. And I would just spend mm -hmm. so much time just, like, fucking with vehicles, most of which never worked, you know? But it was just, like, that was what's fun for me. Because, again, it's, like, to me, it feels like, what if Zelda was Minecraft? Which, Did you, ever you write Besieged? that down, it's stupid. Besieged? There's a Steam game called Besieged that I played no. years ago, and it Kevin, is, look this up. It is what the craft, the, the Zonai aspect of Tears of the Kingdom is. But there's no, a like... Strategy sandbox game, okay. You're not, like, a person in a space. You do build... You, you're given a goal, and you build a machine to accomplish the goal, and it's made of, like, medieval material. So it's, like, you have lumber and iron and, and the, the stresses your machine puts on itself... Usually you're fighting against 
your machine's own inertia from pulling itself apart. But mm-hmm. Besieged is the when I saw what when I saw the trailer for Tears of the Kingdom that had Link riding that DIY wooden car with the wheels. I was like, oh, this is yeah. Besieged. They've like grabbed Besieged and made it work in Zelda, which that's not a knock. But Besieged is like it deserves all the credit. Yeah, I just, it's just, I don't know. It feels very sandboxy in a way that, like, I don't know, Breath of the Wild felt like an empty sandbox. Like, the thing is, like, you could go in all these directions in Breath of the Wild, but most of them weren't very fun. And so, I and so I think in Tears of the Kingdom, basically anything you can do is relatively fun. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, do you feel like a density of life? The 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 mm -hmm. web of like life or characters that interact with you and like everything is knit together in a more dense way i i think it's a little overwhelming how many things are like pulling at my attention um yeah it is overwhelming which is again like minecraft like like but that's the thing it's just weird it's weird to say it's like minecraft because i feel like to most people that'd be really off-putting but it's like minecraft does a lot of different things to a lot of different people and so it's like different different parts of that like can be what people like you know like in minecraft you can just collect a bunch of horses and find the best horses and have the prettiest horses you know and you could do that in zelda you know um which uh, brings me to my next topic i think i'm a narcissist <laughs> so okay i've been i've talked a lot about i've been talking about narcissism on the podcast i talked about this podcast i've been listening to called navigating narcissism and uh it's interesting because you know when you start listening to the podcast you start breaking down a lot of things you see in reality in terms of narcissism especially with respect to like like abuse cases, like the Johnny Depp trial and stuff. Like, I don't know. You just see a lot of things in terms of, in terms of narcissism. I talked last week about how I think that you can see the Trump cult as uh, a form of kind of institutionalized narcissism. Um, but you know, throughout this, when I've been listening to it, there's little pings of like, she'll say one, one of these things like, you know, of course a narcissist does not actually have a high opinion of themselves. It's this like persona that they craft because they're deeply insecure. And I was like, Hey, that kind of rings a little bit true but then they go on to be all like and then they gaslight and all this other stuff and i was like i know i don't do that you know and so but but just most of the time it's like the most horrific things you've ever heard and i'm like this is insane you know and um but then every once in a while there's just this or that and i'm like that does feel kind of like how i emotionally react to things it's just I don't take it this far, right? And then the, towards, you know, getting current to where it is now, you know, uh, there, she's been saying more and more of the stuff about the concept of a vulnerable narcissist, which is a different kind of narcissist. And um, anytime she's like talked a little, she doesn't talk about it very much um, because most, I think, of the time people are dealing with grandiose narcissists, that's like what you typically think of. Um, and but then the vulnerable she said it she only talked about very briefly about little things and i was like wait but that actually sounds closer to me than like what you have been describing and so then i finally like looked it up and hold on let me just actually fucking pull it up um uh kevin talk (laughs) so let's see nolan we first met at nerd melt yeah when I was kind of losing my mind trying to figure out how we were going to film Harmontown. Do you remember that? Like, you seem like the most composed person in the room. That's why I wanted to hang out with you. 
Well, so for those that don't kind of know what happened, like me and Dan talked for weeks, months about how we were going to like turn Harmontown into this video production. And then I get to nerd melt for the first time to go look to see how we're going to do this. And like, I think that's probably one of the most unfilmable locations ever. There's posts yeah, it's everywhere. Cool. It's got so many posts. That's the thing. And also just like there, there's the chairs are everywhere. I don't know. And, and the like, low ceilings. The ceilings like five feet tall. You want you a low ceiling in a comedy venue. Pe yeah, but you don't want to film in a comedy venue the way we wanted yeah. to film Harmontown. That's what made it the best venue in town was all you're it swinging was. against the curtain in so many ways. It's so unconventional in so many I ways. I mean, no, I, I think for performers that that is what you want. You know, it's just we were trying to do something that wasn't pure performance, you know, yeah. we were going after the you're, but you're I think it was amazing. It's it's never there's never gonna be a view venue like that, you know. I don't think at least. It sorry, continue. That those were the glory days. Like I, I was paid pennies to work at Meltdown and I loved it. Like I'm way behind on paying student loans back um, for a largely worthless degree, as we talked about earlier. Um, <laughs> but I was stage manager there for five years, and uh, every day of work was like a blast. You worked with the coolest people. You met your heroes like once a week. Like it was Robin Williams goes on David Letterman, and like your comedy venue is the thing he's telling David Letterman about. Like it, it was such a positive thing like it felt like the sort of damocles was like dang dangling over you you just kind of knew you were living through the good old days and it was kind of grim because you knew it wasn't going to last forever what do you think it was that gave you the feeling was it like the strings holding everything together was it like vibes from up top or was it the perfection of the the scene it, i mean it was a lot of stuff so it was very clear from when i started that like the meltdown comics was like an institution on sunset boulevard it was it started in like 1988 or 89 and you can't pay rent when you're a brick and mortar comic book store like that place had huge square footage that real estate is so valuable um like maybe even artificially so like the the attitude was like this is the I mean, it's Sunset Boulevard. I mean, yeah. that's like the that's kind of the main strip of L.A., even as L.A. is in a massive town with no main strip. Right. If you go to that. If you go to that neighborhood now, all the stuff that people went to that neighborhood to do, which made it a cool and desirable neighborhood, it's all been leveled and in, in the cheapest con condos have been thrown up on those blocks like they, they kind of leveled the cool neighborhood and built kind of rich kid rentals. Uh, there's and there's no reason I, I live in East LA. There's no reason to drive that far west anymore in Los Angeles. It's over. Well, I'm about to get like pizza. You know, I, I drive all over to get pizza. Bruh, I live right by Casabianca. I got Casabianca go so good. You know, I've passed that place so many times, and I was like, I wonder if that place is good. I guess any place that's stuck around is like good it's in that area. So good. They have they're kind of like El Coyote. They have all the eight by ten portraits of all the famous people who have eaten there, mm. right by the register. And then they have Ed Asner twice from two different eras of his career. That's how you know. <laughs> Damn. Uh, okay. So what? I feel like we just kind of veered off. What What did you want to say, <laughs> Kevin, about um about the nerd melt? Like it seemed like you had more to say, right? Um, really, just that it was just this totally surreal environment. Like I've I've never 
experienced anything like that before. Like that first night where we were there, I think it was Lorraine Newman was the guest on Harmontown that night, if you remember. Mm-hmm. And like Lorraine you and me are- Newman. <laughs> yeah. And like you and me are sitting there talking about cameras, and then Zach comes over to help, and then Lorraine pops up out of nowhere and she's like, Well, if I was doing this, this is where I'd put the cameras. And I'm like, Okay. And that's where we ended up doing it too. Yeah. It was a hundred percent right. We might owe her and money this now. Is- well, you're kind of, I mean, you, you go around, right? Were you in, in Hollywood very often before this, Kevin? Was this like a, obviously you weren't doing like weird stuff like video placement, camera placement, but yeah. Not really. You know, like I did a lot of theatrical stuff elsewhere, but n- never in LA before. So like, this was kind of like my first dip into like where the big boys play, you know? Right. And, so like, you were, you were coming into, into Hollywood and you were in this nerd mill and you're talking about an issue that feels very specific. Kevin's and Lorraine modest. Newman is I mean, like, what about this, that? We know how modest Kevin is. Kevin's got triple a Hollywood friends. Kevin showed up at meltdown one time with Deborah Wilson from mad TV. Who's like, the voice of Savathun and Destiny, like Deborah Wilson, is just extremely accomplished and extremely good. But she just wasn't a person who I had seen at Meltdown before, and only found cause to go there because Kevin was there. Well, and you know what was funny was I called her and I'm like, "Hey, Deborah, what are you doing today?" And she's like, "Well, I'm getting a tattoo," and it just happens to be the tattoo <laughs> shop literally next door to, to Meltdown. <laughs> like, shares a wall and everything, you know. See, this is the crazy stuff that happens to Kevin all the time, and I'm like, clearly this man must be lying. <laughs> like, this is insane. <laughs> it's so, and it, it gets back to you're way more interesting than me, and you should be the co- the host. Like, this is insane. This is what it, you're <laughs> like. Hey, what are you doing? Ah, sorry. Yeah, have you has it been talked about on the show? I listen to about every third episode of this show. Wow. So if thanks I, if for this, third of your support. Sorry, I didn't mean for that to no, sound passive aggressive. Okay. There's just there's okay. too many podcasts. But <laughs> I, I the, agree. Actually, the, uh, I don't agree. I'm running out of podcasts. Go ahead. Have have we talked about how Kevin Loki worked on like Moral Combat? Like Kevin, like Yeah, we've talked about that. Go Kevin's ahead. been ground zero of so much culture that's been created. He Kevin was the it. first person to finish Goro. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Literally. Yeah. <laughs> Fatality, you know? But yeah, it's it, that's what I'm saying is that the Kevin is an international man of mystery It's really interesting. The when you first started talking, Nolan, I was like, this sounds like a joke. Like it sounds like you're like making fun of something about Kevin. And it's like, no, that actually happened. And again, that's the thing is like something about everything you do, Kevin, it just trips my bullshit sensors. And I don't know what it is. You know, it's uh, well, it's, so, it's because it's crazy. Go ahead. Well, it's because in the 90s chicago is like was like america's like cultural epicenter like it's probably la now who knows how it breaks down post covid but um in the 90s like chicago had the bulls uh, 80s 90s we had all the john hughes movies it was much more common common to hear like an old man's like an old polish man speaking like america mm-hmm. knows what that that specific chicago polish accent is because the 90s rule or chicago ruled the 90s um and that's where kevin was and where kevin spent his youth uh yeah. wait let's go sorry. to the chat some pops up in the chat i just it's like a needle on a record charlie m writes kevin's more a lot more like jeff than we realized you know <laughs> and lately kevin's been getting about as flaky as jeff <laughs> No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, uh, And also, Cal had a question for Nolan. Uh, Do you have a favorite song on Bob's Burgers or a favorite episode you've worked on? I 
my favorite episode I worked on was um I don't know one or two seasons back. It's called Driving Big Dummy. It's about Bob and Teddy going a couple towns over on a road trip. I really love Teddy. Reminds me so much of my dad, where he's so interested in every. I I I just love uh, Teddy specifically. Teddy's a great character for sure. How much like my daddy is. Um, <laughs> I, I can't pick a favorite song at all. Just like so. I I also worked on the the show Central Park, which was was an actual musical cartoon we made and in central park the the music is like you have three songs per episode and they're beginning middle and end songs where in bob's you'll have a jingle here like bob's is looser with the rules of what is a song and what isn't i can't it's too broad of a thing there are just so many like single line jingles that are so funny and and full songs that are funny i can't i can't yeah no i got that totally i mean that's kind of like their thing you know it's like that's that's what's i mean you know there's a lot of great things good about the show i really like just the realness of the character what i like is that there's a kind of humor that's hard to distill when you're not like an amazing writer but it's like it's not a joke so much as the character is being so that character and that's what generates the laughter you know like tina's always doing that and tina has a lot of good jokes and stuff but but sometimes she just says something and you're like that's so tina that it makes you laugh you know mm -hmm. and they're really good at that and i think that's a really good source of humor that is harder to put a target on and, and shoot for than you know quips and puns and, and whatever you know basic joke constructions yeah um i i would know. love to so, tackle the question in the chat i think I yeah can yeah yeah i was gonna i was gonna point. ask yeah uh, so Nikki Chuck asks, how was or how was it working with Chris Hardwick? So I didn't work closely with Chris Hardwick. He was my boss, um, but he was very absentee. The man's career. Yeah, he wasn't was, like at NerdMelt, right? No, he his career was like pretty stratospheric. He was uh, dating a Hearst. So like he he was around, I would say in the five years I worked there, he was around twice a year right and um the the funny thing and i don't feel like this is too salacious is that part of his deal was with the comic book store was that he got a reserved parking space behind meltdown but that's some of the most coveted real estate in the city yeah and it was like my job to spaces. prevent people from parking there and i will yeah. tell you admitting all fault i didn't do that <laughs> i could not hold a parking space open for two appearances a year uh yeah so I, there's oh go ahead just when he showed up he did ask who's who's in my place and i was like i'll get i'll get right on a boss and uh didn't didn't get right on it what was an average nice. day like for you working there like what what did you do specifically um scheduling staff fixing things as they break um cleaning up messes from edgy alt comics that had made the night before it was like wake up when you wake up going to work clean up whatever mess you find um make sure there's toilet paper and bottled water everywhere there's supposed to be toilet paper and bottled water uh count the count the small amounts of money that have appeared in the snack bar drawer uh it, that's like facility manager stuff kind of right yeah that's st stage manager i wasn't the program director of that uh -huh. uh, venue the program director like made the calendar and courted the talent my job was kind of like a show was going on if if like you know 
uh, Harmontown is a great example where the comic book store is filled with people waiting in line to get through these double doors. Like you have to manage the line and make sure you're not people aren't getting stampeded and you're seating people in groups. It's just all the practical, functional things of putting on live shows. Yeah, logistics. And, um, and then I, I worked for a couple different program directors, but that was the job. That was the job mm. that that you wanted. But also, like, I'm I'm a stage manager. I'm not a, a schmoozer, or a, a glad hander. I like being where people are laughing and staying out of Judd Apatow's way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a it's a valuable trade out here is being able to stay out of Judd Apatow's way. It's, did you watch uh, Pen Fifteen? Yeah, yeah. In, in Pen Fifteen, these two best friends figure out that one of them is front of house and one of them is back of house. I like. I've never seen that portrayed anywhere else. Where two friends who like they like the same stuff, they figure out one of them's like I, I'm the person who wants the eyeballs on me, and the other person's like I am the support. I I sub am the support character. Mm-hmm. Uh, I that's how I would describe it. Like in L.A you're going to fight your whole life to be in front of a camera, or you're going to very gracefully decide you're going to support the people. I think the the support people have it figured out because they're not the ones constantly like selling themselves. Yeah. Rules selling yourself is uh, awful and exhausting and you're marketing more than you're producing stuff. Yeah. And also it's like, you're not, you're not hired. I don't know. I guess it's all on the basis of your like talent, but it's like when you're not, you know, the personality or whatever, you're like, I have honed these skills. Everybody needs skills hire me and I will, you know, perform them, you know, whereas like a lot of the other jobs, it's, 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 it's selling, you know, it's like, Hey, I'm going to make you money. And it's like, yeah, people are paying you for your status more than any. Right measurable thing you're doing it's just like a really foggy uh transaction i i don't know i'm i when i moved to la i thought like i was in bands in college maybe i'm a performer in some way shape or form and then right away you know has demorge been on this podcast no uh we we tried to book him and uh i i couldn't i couldn't like make it happen but we'll, demorge we'll is just in. one of these guys because demorge always wants to meet like the new talent. He, Demorge always wants to work with the young filmmakers and the young, uh, fresh off the boat creatives to and see. He's what, always doing stuff. Like he's, he's really he's, always doing stuff. He lives it, man. Um, yeah. He's one of the first people I met who I'm like, oh, I'm not going to be able to be an in front of the camera person. Like, sure. That is such a high bar. Like he works so hard. That was it. The hard work he was doing that made you feel like that. It's like I could act in a thing if the character I'm cast as is some approximation of Nolan. Sure. But Demorge can cover distance. Like you can see the man gear shift and then you're like, oh, not I can't. It's actually insulting for me to call myself the same title as this person because. Yeah. Um, I was just going to say that like that people say like, oh, you should do voice acting. And I'm, that's how I feel. It's like I can do voice acting for Spencer E voices, you know, or maybe like Spencer gnome voices or whatever, <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, like people, you know, like, like, like James Austin Johnson, you know, it's like impressions, like people can do voices, you know? Yeah. And I, I don't have anything like that people yeah. work. So, something like that is such a foggy premise for me to try to put my feet down and actually do that work. Like it takes mm-hmm. years before the work you need to do even 
isn't focused enough to do the work. It's just like it's just showing up and and uh, fixing the toilet when it breaks is good enough for me. Yeah, um, but we do actually have to take a quick break. You know, stay tuned for a word from our sponsors, and we'll be back with more from Nolan Fabricus. Hey there, my name is uh, Mountain Drew, and I'm here to talk to you about a new concoction I've been coming up with called Mountain Cum. That's right, baby. If you've been drinking Mountain Dew all your life, you may have been wondering, do mountains really collect dew? I, I typically think of uh, dew as something that's on plants. Well, you're right, and that's why I created Mountain Cum, because mountains do not generate dew, but they do constantly come and we bottle that come right at the source before it's made impure by the thoughts of peasantry <laughs> and uh we we send that directly to you after uh our patented reverse osmosis process that uh filters it through nine copies of the osmosis jones dvd box set uh try mountain come today use the promo code goblin flakes and we're back we got nolan in the house what's up nolan hey not much we got kevin in the house what's up kevin go ahead just a little on skates from that ad I'm surprised you got uh you got the big dogs buying space on this show i know it's it's crazy i i guess they like think you know they do all this mountain dew stuff you know we were constantly <laughs> trying mountain dew they maybe thought they could like get in on that marketing i don't i don't know as far as i'm concerned like mountain cum is like a completely different thing like i don't even think you drink it you know uh yeah no it, like i said i'm not an actor it's hard for me to yes and a bit sometimes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean but to be fair i ask really bad questions before i ask <laughs> them to weigh in uh we got kevin here what's up kevin hey just doing Let's, a nice reset <laughs> yeah yeah so nolan another thing um where we all kind of intersected here was you eventually became the director for harmontown you know yeah, we like that, with you that so much that last that last little stretch i was the live director that was like uh, what 50 60 episodes something like that I yeah yeah that sounds right uh yeah that sounds right i there was a there was a vibe when I took over as director. Like Harmontown had been through a couple venues. We land D Dynasty Typewriter was our last venue, and Dynasty Typewriter was an upstart back then. And uh, the internet wasn't good. It was a hard part of the city to to get in and out of. Uh, and it's still going. Dynasty Typewriter started when we started the Starburns Castle, and they're still on their feet. Yeah, ca castle's been dead and buried for six years. As a venue, sure. I mean, you know, but that's because it wasn't legally a venue. <laughs> it makes sense when you start to so, think about it, you know. Yeah, if you don't get the permits, what are you going to do? What are you going to? You do? know, we were in Burbank. We were at a huge disadvantage. Burbank does not give permits to. Hey, we're starting a thing where people will come to Burbank and drink alcohol and have fun. And Burbank's like, no, you're not. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of thing that a lot of people, that's the judgment. A lot of people might make before, you know, going forward <laughs> with a plan like that, you know, um, Burbank, but Burbank's like, we got flappers. We've got Jay Leno and Adam Carolla. That's enough comedy for Burbank. And it, and it really was, you know, I don't know. <laughs> people don't like driving that far. I mean, I drove from fucking Moore park to get to the show half the time, you know? So, 
but that's not that wasn't a lot of people's experience i mean i'd rather hang out in burbank than just than sunset boulevard in 2023 yeah i agree but um well matthew d had a question uh do you have any av disaster stories that happened behind the scenes of harmontown and kevin you can answer this too because both yeah. of you would have had eyes on kevin probably has disasters. more do you remember I when mean, the I, guy stole the somebody ripped all the copper out of the breaker box oh uh, yeah in the uh, in the dynasty neighborhood when we were just starting out there so like internet was down at&t had a really hard time even getting good internet to that part of town uh during covid i i had the opposite fortune of the rest of america i got the, one of the best jobs i've ever had in my life at bob's burgers during covid but i always yeah. wanted to start like a detroiters with that harmontown with those harmontown cameras and just have a little three person we make stupid commercials for you film unit um but i, I don't know how much to charge I, I i chronically undercharge people when i freelance and it's a uh it's a poison pill for starting a business so I mean, it's hard, you know, it's, I, it's, it's hard because, you know, whatever people know why it's hard. <laughs> I don't know. We've got a bunch of food. I don't know if we're going to get through it all, but I, 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 maybe we should at least try and do some of it. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I dude, I got, I've been eyeing this mountain dew the whole time and sitting here. I can't wait to crack. Yeah. Up. So Kevin, I don't think you know about this, but we got the Baja passion fruit punch. I just oh, picked I, it up today. I've got some of those. Yeah nice yeah like I, I wasn't expecting it but i just grabbed one today and i knew nolan was on so you know nolan you want to you you're opening it do you want to give it a smell and tell us what you're smelling but but first let me read it well uh, do with a blast of natural and artificial passion fruit flavor got like crocodiles on the cover the cover if you just smell it mm -hmm. it kind of burns your lungs like smelling mouthwash that sounds like a, a, a health problem yeah i mean it to me it smells like a vague fruit smell and kevin's got cans nolan's taking a, a drink you want to talk us through what you're tasting nolan um it's an inch away from baja blast it's very close to baja blast in flavor it's a very interesting perspective for something that is uh being branded as artificial passion fruit flavor flavor what do you got kevin oh, it's baja it passion fruit yeah it's it's got yeah, it definitely rem right reminds me of of Baja Blast, but with more of a a fruit, like a tropical fruit note to it. You know, you're right. Actually, I, I was kind of like uh, confused when Nolan said it, but scent wise, it does have some of this Baja scent, which is like this teal kind of scent to me, which is probably just because I know Baja is, is but it, it, to me, it smells <laughs> like turquoise. It has like a turquoise smell to it somehow. It tastes there. It's yeah it's like it smells green but then it has a hint of cooling blue in the smell you know and this smells very similar i don't know kevin you want to give it a taste sure let me, let me give this a try here and while kevin's tasting there's also a purple uh a volcano erupting that's of course underground world war propaganda uh what do you think kevin yeah it tastes like purple i i, I don't know how to explain it it, it tastes like <laughs> Uh, concentrated purple Kool-Aid mixed with Baja Blast. Yeah, it's weird yeah. because a lot of these flavors that are these purple, like Purple Thunder, Purple Thunder was like blackberry and plum or something, but it just, it has this vague purple flavor. To me, this does read a bit like passion fruit, but I have so little passion fruit in my life and so little passion in my life, if we're being honest, that uh, like, I just don't think 
I know that flavor very much. It's like, this is a flavor that you sometimes get in tropical kind of things. It has a tropical vibe to it, but I don't like clock passion fruit as like a flavor, but understanding that it's passion fruit, it's like, yeah, to me, it's like just kind of tangy, kind of fruity, kind of berry-like, kind of grapey a little bit. Yeah. You know, of the, of the tropical tertiary flavors being like dragon fruit, passion fruit, you know, uh, a guava is is the front runner. Like guava is the best tropical, you know, tier. Yeah, flavors. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I'm definitely more <laughs> of a guava guy. I do think that there's a little bit, maybe they're just similar, but I do think there's like vague hints of what I associate with guava in this. It's not yeah. clear, but just a little bit. But maybe that's just because of this tropical flavor, you know, and I'm just misunderstanding it. I don't know. I know this is a spinoff podcast, but is Guava Guys a spinoff of a spinoff? Mm. Does that guava have guys. legs, Kevin? Does that well, have more you know, combat legs, Kevin? <laughs> I, it does, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, Guava Guys is uh, for Patreons only. If you join the Patreon, you'll gain access to over 50 episodes and over 300 hours of Guava Guy podcasts. That's right. Each episode, did I do the math right? It's like six hours long, each episode of the Guava Guys. <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, I, I don't know. We, we also got you some chocolate, uh, Nolan. Uh, yeah, Kevin, I got, the, I got the chocolate. Um, we, we should probably try the weird one first, right? Literally, there's an idiom that says you're not supposed to get your cho your chocolate in your cheese or your cheese in your chocolate. Then I there put is both in, the, in a tub. Yeah, it's a famous Ween album. Uh, <laughs> 90s kids will know chocolate and cheese is two, two good flavors. The idiom means two good flavors that don't you're not supposed to. They're not good together. And I've got yeah. a Tupperware full of chocolate and cheese. If I could make and some the noise. cheese is chocolate. Oh, is it? Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it's, it's sometimes hard to get with the camera. But we got these Compartis Chocolate Brands X Velveeta. It's a Velveeta cheese chocolate truffle or something. Do you know what it I is, actually, Kevin? No, it's just some, you know, this is, I guess, a famous chocolatier in, in Los Angeles that partnered with Velveeta to make Velveeta chocolate truffles. That, Can I right. say I something about Velveeta? Mm -hmm. yeah. I used to be a bartender and we used to make uh, a thing, uh, uh, like queso to serve every yeah. shift. Velveeta is cheese. It's not cheese. You don't have to refrigerate it. Mold won't grow on it. Mold won't eat. Velveeta. Sure. But I, will. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it makes it safer for us to eat. Well, or on that axis, it much more dangerous on many other axes. Uh, did you take a bite, Nolan? Did I see that? No, I licked my fingers. It's hot in here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just because because we I don't know this got to taste terrible, right? I, I mean, just, I was just really curious. It smells like mac and cheese. Ugh, so much. It just smells like Velveeta cheese. And, and it's yeah. very, that's very gross. Um, I like Velveeta cheese. I agree that it's not a real cheese, but, but hey, you know. I think yeah. it's it's the big, because of the idiom, don't get chocolate in your cheese. I think a, the biggest flex a chocolatier could do is try to make chocolate that tastes good with cheese, right? Yeah, but like, I'm not even convinced. Go ahead. It's, it's. And that's Velveeta's probably a side door into beating that challenge because it's not technically cheese. 
Yeah, and I'm just not even convinced that it's it's real chocolate. You know, like white chocolate's not like real chocolate. Not that I care. I'm not trying to be a purist, but like it's more like a fudge, right? So maybe this is more like a cheese fudge than like a cheese chocolate. I, I don't know. Yeah, it's. I, I think it it really is like, just like what's the one thing a chocolatier is not supposed to do? It Mixed smells so salty. Yeah, you Did should you eat it. And no, it just smells so salty. I guess I'm gonna have to take be the first one to take the plunge just to to show that I'm, I'm just brave. waiting for the green light. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ariel couldn't be here tonight, but she tried one of these yesterday with a friend of hers. Oh, here. They have a filling. Yeah, it's 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 basically Velveeta filling inside these. Um. Oh, her friend hated it, but Ariel actually thought these were not too bad. The outside is not bad, but the inside ruins it. The outside looks like macaroni and cheese, but that's the chocolate. the The cheese is inside. All right, I'll, the yeah, outside looks like a shells and cheese noodle. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a Velveeta shell that's been. Uh, but that's you know. the chocolate. So then you put it in your mouth, and you're like, "Oh, there isn't cheese here." And then you bite into it, and you're like, "Oh, wait, the cheese was." was hiding out yeah the outside has a kind of pleasant saltiness i would say it's not it's not just sweet it does have some savory but yeah and then then you get like it's like marmite almost or something you know what about yeah. you kevin you got anything it, it's it, it's definitely i mean it, the the filling feels like you just like stuck your finger in some velveta melted cheese and tasted it the outer mm-hmm. side tastes more like i don't know it, it, it's definitely chocolate it's a white chocolate it's very light it's not terrible. It's just such a weird mix that I don't think I would ever choose to eat this. Yeah, the outside seems passable, um, but not not the filling. And even like a lot of weird stuff, it's like even if it's not that great, I'll be compelled to like just keep trying it. And this is very no, and some Lester's fixins ass bullshit. Um, but Kevin, you you also sent like uh, just a, a regular ass box of these gorgeous chocolate truffles, right? Do you yes. know anything about that? Do you know they look? They're all different colors, but are they the same flavor? No, they they're all different like they're flavors. The there, oh wow! There was supposed to be a guide to say what each was. Did yours not come with one? I haven't opened up the one I got yet. Um, Sometimes they're like fine, but no. Okay. Yeah, I have no idea what any. Mine didn't come with one either. But yeah, they're all so supposed to be I gave flavor. Nolan there's there's yeah, each of these have a kind of like a palette of eight colors. Um, I guess I can maybe show this to the screen. They have a palette of eight colors, and there's five chocolates in each. Um and there's two designs. One of the designs has three, and one of the designs has two. And so of these bottom two, I gave Nolan one of each color. Uh, and so I don't know, Nolan. Do you just want to select one and and tell me what it looks like, and then me and Nolan can grab it? Um, the blue Kevin? zebra stripe. Yeah, I'm, the I'm looking. Blue zebra stripe. So that's that's the blue. Uh, it's they're kind of curvy stripes, right? Yeah. So that's yeah, like the wavy. third from the right in mine. Um, yeah, All these right. wavy stripes. Uh, talking on the weed. Noise, noise, noise. There we go. cut to my camera. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So I got one. You got that, uh, Kevin? Yeah. I have I sorry, I can't find the list of what these are supposed to be. Yeah, that's fine. We're we're we just gotta make sure we have the same one so we're, you know, not talking we're not being insane. It would be pretty insane. I don't know. This is we could do a couple of these. I'm uh, anytime we do too much food tasting, I'm like, I'm kinda losing steam on tasting. Well just it <laughs> starts to sound boring or repetitive or something, you know? I don't know. I love it though. 
Okay, these are just original dark chocolate. All the of them? Blue, the blue ones. Oh, okay. the blue zebra Wait, stripe what's ones. the list? Should we pick something more interesting? No, um, no, Kevin it. can look it up after we pick them. Uh, or Kevin can pick the next one. Okay. okay. But, but Kevin, it has to be the bottom two, not the top three, if that matters. They might all be the same, but... All right. Uh, I got a different uh, box than yours because you, it sold out as soon as I shipped it to you. So I'm not sure exactly which ones you got here. But that's fine. We'll so figure it might out. might even be different. I ate this one. I don't know. It tastes like chocolate. It's got a filling, but it's a chocolatey filling. It is. It's very Maybe dark salty. Chocolate. Yeah. Oh, it might be yeah. dark chocolate sea salt. Yeah, the caramel. filling is dark. Yeah. Okay. Maybe some sea salt. So, uh, Kevin, you don't have these eight colors. Uh, you I don't have, think about tech checking this, but we should have tech yeah. checked the chocolate. <laughs> you guys have this one here, the yellow one with like zigzags on uh, it. I don't, I don't have that one. We have one yellow one with zigzags, but it looks different than yours. But we can try that one too. It's like a darker yellow for you, Kevin. Uh, you have no that one. one is that the one you have? Yeah, Kevin? I got that's that the one. one we have. Okay, let me find out what that one is. Hold on, this is really riveting. That's the thing. We can maybe do one more of these, and then uh, we could maybe try, you know, try try later or something with with better tech. But yeah, I, I want to yeah. ask salacious questions about what Jeff's up to. Where's Jeff? Why no Jeff? I don't I, don't I half know. know the answers, but yeah, I don't know. And do you Kevin, need new podcast art? Uh, not, not, not at the moment. <laughs> I don't have a good idea yet. Um, but hypothetically, Brian writes, I had a no scalpel vasectomy, but did use other instruments, not their hand. One small hole right under the dick. I'm a hypochondriac and was very nervous and was trying to listen to a playlist of your D&D segments for Harmontown, but the fucking doctor kept wanting to talk to me and tell me about the tubes he was soldering. Soldering. Uh, soldering. Jesus Christ, the smell still haunts me. It was a nightmare, but totally worth it. Maybe the AI can think of a better, more futuristic way. Also, I no longer have a relationship with my brother because he's an asshole and created a bunch of drama. It does feel like there is this evolutionary urge pull to reconcile with family or feel guilty even if it's 100 on them and they are toxic and your life is better without them in it it's still lame and hard to push through as always love the show brian uh yeah i don't think it's evolutionary i i think it's cultural i think it's like hallmark and bullshit but yeah thanks brian uh you figured out kevin yes so do you want to know what it is now or do you want to just taste first and guess how do you want to do this yeah let's know i think it helps to know you know okay. this is sun-kissed mango what the fuck? All right. We're all going for it. Nolan, you go first. I can taste it. It's the top of my brain first. Mm-hmm. It's... I'm getting a little, like, tropical fruit bounce to it, but I don't think I would have landed on mango without being prompted. Yeah, I would think more tangerine. Like, it doesn't get that kind of fruitiness that mango does but i am yeah. getting the tang and the chocolate but, just knocks it out like the chocolate encasing just kind of wipes it from your mouth before you can settle on it yeah like chocolate is heavier and it's fattier than like mango and mango is not like acidic well this mango is not like acidic enough to really cut through it so it I, it has this effect where it sometimes happens with fats i think where the fat just covers the other flavor particles avocado you don't get a good that way right like yeah yeah avocado swallows the other flavors around it which mm -hmm. people love avocado but 
I'm like, it's it's distracting unless it's the focus. It's got to be. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, I'm not a big avocado fan because I, but I agree. I think that it really it changes things in a way that people don't mention. It's a lo- it's a low key flavor bully. People think about it as like a very healthy superfood. I think about it as a low key flavor bully. <laughs> it's fucking toxic, dude. It's gaslighting <laughs> me. Um, oh, I'm just regretting a lot of things in my life. Um, Kevin, you got one more flavor for us before we yes. we we bandage ship on this. Uh, do you guys have, let's see what we have on here. I don't know. Uh, you got the swirly one, the brown swirly. I got that one. Brown. Is it like an orange or red brown? It looks orange to me. Yeah. More orange okay. than anything. Yeah. yeah. I got it. I got it. What's what like flavor the color is that? of a sun-kissed mango. This is Italian Whoa. tiramisu. Ugh, I'm not going to like this one. Okay. What? I don't like coffee. The this coffee is really flavor good. is very mild, though. Yeah, this is so good. It's easily, easily the best one so far. This is the best one. Mm-hmm. God damn. That kicks ass. Yeah, I'd buy like a little bit of that flavor. Yeah, definitely. A little bit of bitterness, and even a little kind of overestimates it. There's so little bitterness in this. It's just enough. It's almost like a dark chocolate level. It's just enough to kind of complexify the flavor a little bit. It's not, it's not overbearing in any way. You know. Is tiramisu coffee flavored or just something you traditionally get with coffee? I think I, I want to say, go ahead, Kevin. Yeah, I think it's supposed to be coffee flavored. I want to say it's like lady fingers, right? So a delicate pastry, and then there's layers of cream, but usually the, la- la- uh, the lady fingers are soaked in like rum or coffee, or coffee is like involved in the cream. I, but I, I guess you're right that it's not necessarily because. I think I was thinking they're always soaked in coffee, but I think they're more commonly like soaked in rum or something. Tiramisu mm. is a coffee-flavored Italian dessert. It's made of ladyfingers dipped in coffee, layered with a whipped mixture of eggs, sugar, and mascarpone cheese, flavored with cocoa. So, yeah, I guess it is traditionally coffee. And what are ladyfingers outside of the context of fireworks? I don't know that. I would describe it as kind of like a crunchier eclair. Like, it's this kind of like puff this puffiness and maybe Kevin knows a bit more, but there's kind of this puffy pastry, but it's not soft like an eclair. It's more crunchy like a biscotti, but it's but but it has like a lighter texture to it. And they're they're not very commonly eaten. They're more used in desserts and stuff. You got any anything to add to that, Kevin? Yeah, I'm just pulling up a picture right now. So. Okay. Um what else? Wait, can I ask uh, I yeah, now yeah, I'm yeah. like obsessed with watching this. Oh wow. There we go. Yeah, ladyfingers. Yeah, they're brushed with this, or they're they they got powdered sugar. Um, who made that spleen intro song? That was so good. Uh, Corey Gasnut Geyer. Uh, he's made a couple sound cues for us. Uh, we really appreciate Corey. Uh, that's like AAA level good. That's, that's I know so so good. It's really good, and it's good. It's it's good that we didn't we didn't solicit it. Like we didn't tell him what to do. He took bits in and inside jokes that we were using and organically constructed the whole thing around that. Like it like would take so such it, a deep working knowledge of what you've said on the show, like over and so it much. did. I, yeah, yeah. I've been charged with doing things like that, and most of the work is just listening to the show. And I don't know. Mm. It, that's great, dude. I hope that guy's listening. That rules. Yeah, me too. And I hope. Uh, I I don't know. I wish, we gotta find some way to like get him 
I don't know, maybe we can like pitch him or like advertise for him or something. Cause like, I think he does some freelance stuff. Like give, you guys got to give him money. I've given him money a couple times. I haven't given him money for all the stuff he's made. I have like the, that balance is like, he's, he's given us a lot of free stuff as a, as a, as a courtesy or, you know, as fan art, it's not quite fan art, but you know, it's like, he's yeah, passionate and inspired and he's a genius. Um, but yeah, we love Corey Thank you so much. Uh, but you know what else we love is soda. That's usually how we kind of transition into when we when we tried the food. But uh, we already did that. Um, Can I also say just because I knew Spencer, the dude, like in LA, you know, someone's X energy on the mic and their and their Y energy in person, right? It's not like LA's got a reputation of being full of fake people, and that's kind of true, but it's also a misunderstanding of what like being a performer is mm -hmm. and uh just like listening to this podcast like it's been very cool for spencer to become a type a uh on the on the mic i know harmontown required a different role but uh it's it's awesome it's kind of awesome to see you uh i don't know if I have the language for Thanks, it man. i've known you for years i it's, just uh yeah it's and it's i don't know that's how i feel that's how i felt when you got on it, bob's burgers i was like finally you know this guy's being recognized as, as a hard-working person not just finally uh, someone finally these bob's burgers post-production spreadsheets are gonna get uh no but, but seriously <laughs> my my read on you dolan is you're like hey look at me you could feed me circus peanut shells and, and and sawdust and i will do everything for you that you would ever want and people are like yeah hell yeah i'd love someone who uh doesn't know their own worth <laughs> you know and like that that's like uh, not that you were like i'm a dipshit but i think that's kind of like you're like no i'm a hard working i'm from kansas you know and i it wasn't like you know, I have a lot of experience and technical knowledge and creative ideas, you know, so like, so I just like, it always felt like anything you were doing was more like the pitch was I'm cheap and not like I'm actually very good at the things. That's I do, true. You know? That's, that's a, that's a Midwestern thing that weaves sure. into imposter syndrome, which I know we've talked about on this show a lot that like, it's, I don't have like a fancy job, but I do think the the goal is to like do a job you're not ashamed of doing which yeah. like i don't think most people actually get that like basic thing like mm -hmm. the 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 systems we live under just don't allow people that much leverage so like the fact that i'm proud of the show i work on and i don't have to be embarrassed to say i've done freelance jobs i will never let daylight on just like humiliating <laughs> to even have to touch yeah and that's the thing and you, you i don't know it's just it's it's that's i don't know it's the classic like male thing i can be proud of there's a professional thing that i can talk about in com in polite conversation you know but uh, which is maybe a weird goal but i don't know it's it's good it's <sighs> it's just great man i i don't know if we're gonna run out of time but like Har Town was like for its time and place like in the entertainment landscape i think like I honestly like loved it and was very proud to work on it. Like I know Dan's like cultivated whatever his like public perception is and maybe deserves some of it, maybe doesn't, but the guy was always nice to me. Like the guy yeah. like really like I, I went through a lot of hard times in the Harmontown years 
and Kevin, uh, uh, thank you too for uh, uh, making sure I, there was at least a pittance of work for me to do uh, through the lean years. Harmontown uh, was like, it just bridged like when Meltdown went away, it wasn't clear why I was going to be in LA and what I was going to do. And yeah. Harmontown really bridged like uh, <laughs> the castle and the, and the, the post castle fiasco could be like a whole episode. That was a. <sighs> you don't remember it fondly? It all shook out so well. It, it sucked at the time, but. So uh, Elon Musk did something to Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I don't know. It's not. No, 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 we talked about so much stuff. You know, why talk about more? <laughs> No, but Elon Musk, he, 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 I don't know. I don't know. It's people get it. I mean, I mean he, yeah, just really quickly, you know, part of what we do is inform people though. But so just really quickly, recently, there's a lot of things that are happening. People have made a lot of fan theories, uh, but, but so recently Twitter has uh, completely shut off their bot APIs. They, they announced it. They didn't do it for a long time. They finally did it. And then they also changed recently uh the way you access the site oh shit i don't think i have audio okay there we go you always the way they access the site you can't look at tweets unless you log in which is how facebook works or, or how instagram works but wasn't how twitter worked and so i think those two changes created a lot of excess requests in traffic because apparently and i don't know this is what edward scissorhands or scissorfoot in um the good discord said but like apparently like the APIs kind of free up server space or whatever because you can make your directs your requests a lot more simple and directly and get the data without having to like be very redundant. Whereas when you take out the API tools, you can still automate the same basic things, which is why we've had bots this whole time. It hasn't stopped bots in the least. It's just they kind of have to automate it on their end in a way that they didn't used to, which in, which involves a lot of like requests for information from Twitter just by precedented channels. So by doing that, in effect, it just increased the requests. And instead of just delivering the requests, it would like generate this weird fucking uh like ddosing situation where it was constantly requesting information that it wasn't providing and so it was partially i think due to the bot api and that getting worse over time and then when they put up the 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 login wall to twitter it like hypercharged it and it basically got to a place where twitter anytime anyone did anything uh twitter would just start ddosing itself essentially and that created this rate limit problem and so twitter broke Friday morning, Saturday in the morning, I can't remember. And uh, and Elon was like, we've rate limited the people. Now you can only see 600 tweets or whatever. And, uh, you know, it, but it, it's not even clear necessarily if he actually did it. The other thing is like, they're not paying any of their bills and there's a big Google bill that's coming due. And so people are thinking maybe they got kicked off the Google services. I don't think that's confirmed necessarily, but, but it's not even clear if that was what happens. Like if we are actually being rate limited or not, or if it, the server was, just, or the shit was just crashing and he said it was rate limited. But at some point they actually instituted the real rate limiter, but the rate limiter I think has the same effect where you're still basically sending requests to Twitter and Twitter's like, no. So like, I don't know if that actually solves the problem. End result is you can only look at 600 tweets a day, except also sometimes you can look at more randomly 
and it's unclear why that happens which is again why i'm like was it fake was it just he's saying that because it's crashing you know and then it uncrashes so you can see more tweets i have no idea but it's just insane and then people are like what the fuck is going on and, and elon musk is like oh you know so crazy how everyone's complaining about this and people are like no but seriously what the fuck's going on he's like some of these people need to like touch grass or something but it's like but what the fuck is going on (laughs) like that's what's so crazy is that just like literally there's no clarity on what is happening you know i don't know and then he just like and then he was like wow this post got so many views this with this broke a record yeah the fucking ceo of the company explained inexplicably that he destroyed something for no reason and refused to elaborate that's going to draw a lot of eyeballs you know like if you logged into google and fucking eric schmidt or whoever the idiot in charge of google is was like had a video saying hi i'm eric schmidt you can't google anything because i stuffed my dick into something and now google doesn't work that would be very popular because every time you went to google you would be forced to reckon with google being broken and the guy telling you he broke it on purpose because he's dipshit and then he's like wow i got a lot of attention didn't i it's just fucking insane i don't know it's fucking insane you guys have anything to say i i, I just uh, we, i probably would have brought this up earlier but we we're having such a great co- talk yeah it's been a lot of fun thank you for having me google is broken yeah. by the way i mean the whole internet's br- breaking in slow motion right in front of us that I, i'd love to spend a whole day talking about how all the services we've uh become accustomed to thinking are normal uh are uh disintegrating uh as companies shoot themselves in the dick yeah well obviously google's ruining itself but google specifically is like search engines have this arm race where they define criteria for effective searches and then people game those and then they define better criteria and people game those you know so like that problem wouldn't be solved just by google not being dipshits but then they're also being bad on top of that for sure what about you kevin anything no it's just i I don't believe anything he's saying right now just from the from me looking at what's been going on like i i think it's just overloaded they're trying to scale back way too hard on hardware and cloud stuff and it broke Mm -hmm. like i i can't i can't effectively use twitter at all at this point yeah yeah um what else so we do we do have a little bit more time right our our, our timer ran out but sometimes we have a little more time what, what, it's like what are flashing we at? zero i mean it actually hurts my feelings to see the zeros got, just blink at me we got a minute or two we can, we can <laughs> go okay over. all right well wait we got a minute or two and we can go over or we got a minute or two well we have another minute or two left we can probably take if you want okay what is a vulnerable narcissist sometimes referred to as a covert narcissist outwardly presents as being seemingly introverted insecure and anxious while vulnerable narcissism shares the same core insecurities of narcissistic personality disorder they have a discreet way of displaying these that can make it easier to fall victim to their problematic behaviors and manipulations traits may include appearing shy more sensitive to criticism higher levels of anxiety self-serving empathy inflated sense of self-importance excessive need for admiration and then it breaks down grandiose versus vulnerable narcissism loud and public gestures for attention is something grandiose narcissists do but as a vulnerable narcissist presents as shy and quiet for attention grandiose directly sharing judgments or disagreements vulnerable nonverbal or passive aggressive communication with judgments or disagreements grandiose displays of anger Vulnerable narcissism, displays of anxiety and depression. Grandiose, uses aggressive defensiveness and explosions as defense mechanisms. Uh, vulnerable, uses withdrawal and self-deprecation as, def- uh, as, as defense mechanisms. So a lot of these don't even like scan as like narcissism, but 
all of them described me as in spades i don't know what to do what you're do not you a narcissist bro you're not a narcissist at all i they yeah. i've met diagnosed narcissists they they're like they're fine if you have like boundaries but if you're someone who's like has one in your immediate family or in a relationship with one it's uh very difficult obviously um you are not you're not a narcissist. You're you familiar could, you, with grandiose narcissism. And I'm talking about something that manifests completely differently. It works on different rules that is not well societally no, What you're talking about, what you're talking about is a different coat of paint on the same underlying thing. Like you're talking about a blue house versus a red house. I'm telling you, you're not a house. It's not <laughs> you're fine. And if you're a house, you know, uh, uh send us an email. <laughs> What's it like? How did you type this? Etc. Uh, but yeah, I think that's our show. You got anything, Kevin? You got anything, Nolan, to plug? I uh, wish I did. Oh, sorry, Kevin. First, oh, you yeah. go ahead. I have nothing. So go for it. Oh. Uh, I engineer a podcast called Two Johns Don't Make a Right. It's um John Daly from Kroll Show, and he's in the cold open of Hail Caesar, which is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. So are you in the car? No. Oh, they okay. sometimes they say my name because they'll 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 say something they regret and they'll be like Nolan cut that out and then I'll get a wave file at midnight and then um mix nice. the things they like they have a zoom recorder going in their van it's the fart van and they just pick up one of their comedy friends and just drive around and chat and then I cut the um I filter the air conditioner noise and the road rumbles out I'm I'm just a nice. purely technical person on there but uh I am involved give it a listen it's a great it's a great idea i've tried to do a podcast idea like that but eh, i'm not good um but yeah check it out i i really think it's it's great it's awesome and nolan makes it you know uh you could give me money patreon.com slash the sixler feed my ego or you know soothe my my wounded uh pride you know either way we like to have the show the same time we do every time just go kevin just leave just go <laughs>